Well, Preacher McCormick don't need any introduction. He is my mentor, uh, my friend, a father figure has been a blessing to me, shooed me out on several occasions and every time I needed it. Amen. But he is here today and I am so glad and he is, it's, uh, I wish he could come more often, but would y'all help me give a good old fashioned Alabama welcome to a Florida preacher. Amen. Good morning. I'm sure you all heard about the, uh, Young couple just got married and they were arguing about who was going to do what. You know, in, in some some couples, the man will wash his clothes and the woman will wash her clothes. And then sometimes the women wash all of the clothes. But they were arguing about who's going to fix the coffee in the morning. And his wife, both of them Christians, said, Ain't no problem. The Bible tells us exactly who's supposed to pre, pre speak, uh you got it. Make the coffee. <clears throat> Make the coffee. He said, the Bible says that? She said, yes, sir. Flipped her Bible open and said, Hebrews. <laughs> My wife didn't like that joke at all. <laughs> she told me this morning beforehand, that'll be a dud. I appreciate the opportunity to come and be here during the mission conference. Just want to take a minute and, and share with you my first introduction to a faith promise mission conference. I had pastored Southern Baptist Church uh, since God had saved me. I'd, I'd, I'd pastored two churches, uh, one for a year up in Alabama and then in Jacksonville for six and a half years or whatever it was. Then we started Harvest Baptist. We became an independent church, not because I wanted to be an independent Baptist church, but the Southern Baptist wouldn't have us. So we didn't have any choice. We were independent by necessity, not by choice necessarily. Then I found out I was an independent Baptist. I just didn't know I was. And, but they knew I was, so they didn't want me. So um, <clears throat> I was introduced to faith promise giving. I was as nervous as anybody you've ever seen whenever we finally said, okay, we're going to have a faith promise mission conference. We're going to have some preachers come in who are missionaries. See, I had pastored for over seven or eight years at that time. And I'd never met a missionary. I'd never met a missionary. I just always gave to a program and they told me it went to missionaries. <clears throat> well, we, we, we set a date. We're going to have a mission conference. They all come in, the preachers did, and we begin our services. Went for a week, I believe, uh, for five days or something like that. And I'm sitting off to the left of the pulpit about where the preacher is sitting now. Sitting on the front row. And the preacher, the missionary was speaking. And God began to really deal with me about missions. See, I didn't have a problem in tithing and even giving an offering. But I didn't consider 
committing myself to a figure to give to missions as long as God would provide that for me. And I didn't understand that. So this preacher's preaching, and the Lord began to speak to me about it. And he put a figure on my mind. And you know how you will argue with yourself. Now some people say arguing with God, and maybe it is, and maybe it's arguing with the Holy Spirit. But anyhow, I knew I couldn't give the amount that I was thinking of, and I couldn't understand why my mind would run there because my mind knew how much was in my billfold. <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting there trying to figure this deal out. But I went ahead and committed us to that amount. And by the grace of God, we never, ever missed that amount. Now this was back during pantyhose days. And I don't know if it was because her pantyhose didn't get runs in them as often. We didn't have to buy as many. We had some money left over. I'm not sure if it was because I quit eating as much. Whether the light bill went down. But we always had that money for faith promised missions. And it revolutionized our lives. Today... And you don't know whether this figures $2 or $10. Today, we give somewhere around 39% to the Lord's work every month of our income. And God has never let us down. In fact, it has amazed me sometimes to the point of almost being skeptical as to what's happening. Uh, It's just amazing what God will do if you'll let Him take control and believe Him to do it. The preacher was preaching, and by the way, whenever we are not in our church, we always watch you all. I watch your singing, we watch your preaching, we watch... I don't get to see many of you all, but I, I, I guess somebody up here is keeping an eye on you to see that you're doing right because we're keeping an eye on them. But when the preacher introduced us to helping with the, the, the churches, you remember, I, don't, I, I can't remember right now what the name of the program is, but building the churches. And I thought that we would help with that. And God began to bless, and our income began to increase as we began to help with that. And I praise the Lord for that. So, enough of that. I want to talk to you about Haiti. Uh, I've got a clicker here. Haiti is a place that... Uh, the Lord introduced me to that, that mission conference I was telling you about. The first missionary who ever spoke in it is the missionary from uh, South Carolina, from South Carolina that we work through in Haiti. He went there some uh, 40 years ago and began to build churches or begin to win people to Christ 
and start a church in different little communities in Haiti. Then God would call invariably every time or either somebody would move in that area that God had called to preach and they would become the pastor of the church that he had just started. And as this began to roll and churches began to be built and God was calling uh, pastors and they began to build Sunday schools and church services and win people to Christ. Then Brother Wall, the missionary, he would uh, come, this is he and his wife, he would come back to America many times and sometimes just over the phone and raise the money to buy the material. Then he'd get a group like from Temple Baptist to go lay the block, build the trusses, put the plywood on, put the roof on, and uh, I, I need to back that up. Put the roof on, and each of these little churches begin to have a building. Almost invariably, they all started off with dirt floors. And of course, we helped with that as a church harvest but I never had the opportunity or maybe I just didn't take the opportunity to go there and to physically be a part of it in the first years that it began to that it started but Haiti as you know is a pretty good sized place this is uh Lapila where the uh, where brother Wall has his home and the uh, campus for the uh, teaching of the pastors. Uh, Port-au-Prince, down where the uh, earthquake was, is down on the bottom, and then Capetian is right up at the top. So they're kind of in the middle there in the mountains. Now most of the problems that are going on in Haiti right now with all the killing and the overthrowing of the government is down in Port-au-Prince. That's where the biggest population is, and that's where the earthquake was. But we're up in the middle part there in Lapala. As uh, Brother Wall and, and his wife, I'll get this in just a minute. You just be patient. I wanted to show you, this is the electrical system in Lapala. Don't you know that the inspectors here in Alabama would have them a dying duck fit. Now, what a dying duck fit is, you just figure that out. But this is part of the electrical system. The electricity does not run regularly, but they'll go for three or four hours and have electricity. Then they'll go for two days and have none. Then they'll go for three days and have electricity. They'll go for four hours and have none. So it's just back and two. But here in the uh, area, this is the uh, interstate system. And that's in Haiti. It is quite a chore to get to one, from one spot to another. So keep this thought right there in your mind for a minute. <clears throat> These pastors now, as they would come in and start pastoring the church, Brother Wall was led by God to start a pastor's school or college. Four-year Bible 
Institute there in Lapala at his place, his compound. So we built a building there for the school. And the pastors now would come in daily for school and they'd go for four years through a Bible study and a pastor study and Brother Wall would mentor them and let them account to him for what the churches were doing. Do you get the picture? You understand? Am I being clear? What? And by the way, folks, you all are helping support this. So set up and pay attention. It's your money that we're talking about right now. And we're, uh, you're helping us to support this. But the, uh, <clears throat> the pastors would come in on a daily basis for the Bible study. Well, once a year, they'd have a, ba- a pastor's conference. And I got that privilege to start going over and preaching there in the pastor's conference. I want to show you just a few of the scenes of what Haiti is like so you have a better feel for it. This is at Brother Wall's house. This is where we went, where we go to the bathroom. And this is where the pastors go. Uh, it's a, a necessity building, as you can well believe. Okay. This is just some shots of different places where the people are and where the town is. This is a clinic that Miss Wall set up and she has doctors come in and nurses. And they will doctor the people in the area and then on a daily basis, every day, Miss Wall would have, she's not able to do that now, She'd been going through some real hard physical problems. But she would come in and the people would come in and anywhere from 15 to 50 a day, there for all kind of medical problems. And as they come in, they would give them any supplies that they had that they could share with them. And that was very important to the people. Here's a shot of some of the folks at one of the church services just after the roof had been put up but the walls were not on yet, or in yet. This is a place that my first trip there, we got to this river, and we done exactly what that white car done. We got stuck. We didn't know what we were going to do. And all of a sudden, out of the bushes and up in the hills, these people begin to come. And they stand around, and directly the fellow that was leading us, he says, we can get them to help us. That's what they're here for is to push us out. So you all get out what dollar bills you have because they won't push one lick without some money. So we got us some dollar bills out, handed them out the window, and before long, when we got enough dollar bills out, they pushed our car right out of the river. And that also is a river that Miss Wall got caught in during a flood and uh, floated down the river for a long ways and... Uh, could have really hurt her. This is a picture of some of the men here in the States going there to one of the churches and building the, the uh, trusses, putting them up, laid the block, and got them ready for things. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Oh, you've got to see this. I think these folks were from Alabama. Alabama. 
This is a... Do you see this? Amen. Amen. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is OSHA approved. <laughs> we build the benches as well for the church services. This is a picture of the compound where Brother Wall lives. Actually, the blue building is his house. Down in your right-hand lower corner is the uh, Bible College and uh, the now a library. This is a picture of the pastors. Now, I want to talk to you about these. I'm there preaching during the pastor's conference. These pastors walk anywhere from 150 yards away to five miles away. And they come every morning at 8 o'clock. They leave about 4 o'clock. They walk back home. They come the next morning at 8 o'clock for the, the service. Naturally, these men had my undivided attention because anybody that loves God that much, now they would bring their wives and their children many times and swap off taking times carrying the little kids to walk five miles to church. Most of us fuss about having to walk from the back parking lot to the church door. But they would come. I found out that $50 a month was the average income that the average pastor was living on. Brother Wall at that time had 28 pastors, 28 churches that he had built by the grace of God and by God's leadership and help. And these pastors, $50 a month. I saw that dedication and God began to deal with me about the need to double their income. Now think, take for a minute, no matter what your income is, if somebody come up to you one day and all of a sudden doubled it, just doubled your income, $100 a week to $200, $1,000 a week to $2,000. What a difference that would make in your life and the stress it would take off of you and the ability that you would have to do other things. So I come back home and Sandra and I begin to talk about it and pray about it. So we take on the, um, the thought and the challenge of raising $50 a month for each of these pastors, which would double their income. At this point, we are now able to give every one of the 28 $50 a month, plus we have started back now with some of them and adding 75 instead of 50 because of the income that's coming in. And Temple Baptist has faithfully and regularly given to this ministry to help these pastors. The average pastor going to Haiti to start a church, pastor a church, and get people saved has to have about $3,000 a month because they have to fly in everything they have. These pastors get up every morning wondering what they're going to feed their family that day. Now that is a true statement. 
They get up every day wondering how I'm going to feed my family today. Not because they're lazy, because they have no other opportunities to do anything different. In your Bibles, open them please to Matthew chapter number 25. Well, we'll really begin reading in, in chapter number 26. Let me just talk to you for, I mean chapter number 25. Yes, chapter number 25, verse number 31. I'm going to start back over uh, in chapter number 24 just for a moment. Jesus is at the Mount of Olives. He begins to teach the disciples about his coming back, about the end times. And naturally, this was a very confusing thing to them. But he began to give illustrations and teaching his disciples this basic point through the illustration of the... uh, the ten virgins through the illustration of the uh, talents and right on down and the uh, uh, fig tree. Jesus is simply teaching them, fellas, you be ready for the time that I'm coming. You will not know the day. You will not know the hour, but you be ready. And whatever you're going to do for God, you better do it now and be ready because you do not know when the Lord will return. Now that's a thought that all of us need to have in our mind this morning. You and I do not know. Do we have another five days here? Do we have another five hours here? Do we have another three months here? So whatever you intend to do for God, you better do it now. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples through the messages on the Mount of Olives. He was teaching them expectancy. Expect Jesus to come back. Be ready when he does because you will not have an opportunity to do anything else once he comes back. So it's important that we be ready and that we do what we can. Now, could some of you here in this room today give more to Faith Promise Missions? Maybe you could give $2 more. Maybe you gave Five dollars more. Can you imagine with a thousand or fifteen hundred people or whatever it is in here? Can you imagine all of a sudden every Sunday the mission offering jumps five thousand dollars? Can you imagine what these pastors could do with that in reaching people for Jesus, in being able to feed the orphans? in being able to take care of the widows, in being able to take care of their own families? Do you realize how much a blessing that would be? How it would impact their lives to know that God was taking care of them through a church in Alabama? What a blessing that would be. Jesus now is talking to his disciples. Pick it up in chapter 25 and verse number 27. And I'll be there in just a minute. Chapter 25 and not 27, but 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations. 
and shall se- and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on the right hand this is a political statement too on the right hand but the goats on the left and he and then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was in hunger and ye gave me meat i was thirsty and ye gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in naked and ye clothed me i was sick and ye visited me i was in prison and ye came unto me then shall the righteous answer him saying lord when saw we thee in hunger and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink and when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee then the king shall answer and say unto them verily ver- uh, verily I say unto you inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren ye have done it unto me you get the picture? Jesus is teaching his disciples. And they are, <clears throat> here's the illustration. He says, um, got the goats on one, got the sheep on the right side and the goats on the other side. The sheep on the right side, those that have been saved, born again by the Spirit of God, have recognized that they're a sinner and on their way to hell that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected as the payment for their sins, and they have accepted him as their Savior. They're on the right side. And he says to them, Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And Because, this is why I'm letting you in, because you were saved and you helped feed those that needed food. You helped close those that needed clothing. He used himself as a little illustration. He said, I was thirsty and you fed, you dr- gave me drink. I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. Then they look at him and say, Jesus, we don't recall that. We never saw, we, we, we don't remember that. And Jesus said, they said, Jesus, when did we do this? And Jesus said this. He said, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done that for me. Most of us say, God, what do you want me to do? Well, this morning, he's laying it out. He wants you and I to be involved in taking care of the needs of other people. And when you do that, you are meeting the needs of Jesus. You want to have Jesus eat a cake of yours? Bake a cake? Take it to somebody that's in need. And Jesus just tried your new nut cake recipe. Huh? That's right, ain't it? That's what he's saying. <clears throat> so Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of one of these, you have done it unto me. Now I want to talk to you about that for a moment. Then 
shall he say unto them on the left hand. Those that are unsaved. Or either those maybe that are saved, but would not serve God. Would not accept, maybe they're saved, but they would not serve. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, so they were not saved. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. I, and I was naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also say unto him, When saw we thee an hunger, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto the least of one of these, ye did it not unto me. And these shall be shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. <clears throat> you and I have an opportunity to be involved in serving God and being a part of the things of God. We have an opportunity to trust Christ as our Savior. Now you give into missions you giving to the church offering, you feeding somebody will not save you. You've got to come to the place in your life that you recognize that you are a sinner and that you're on your way to hell without God. And by the way, no matter what your age is, no matter what your uh, occupation is, no matter what your gender is, and I, I do know what a, what a woman is, and what your gender is, if you never trust Christ as your Savior, you never accept Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. But if you'll come today even and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, died, was buried, and resurrected as the payment for your sins, the Bible says that God will forgive your sins and that He will save your soul. And that at that moment, if you die, you will spend eternity in heaven. But once you are saved, God is saying this. What you need to do is to get involved in helping feed and to clothe and to visit and to take care of those that are in need. And I can tell you, not only in Haiti, but there are other places in the world, but there's especially in Haiti, there is a drastic need for food, for help to those that are in need. And this morning, you can make your commitment to the Lord to serve God by helping through faith, promise, mission, giving. Remember what I said. If you've never given, ask God what He'd have you to give. God will put a figure on your mind. This morning, if you'll pray and ask God what He'd have you to give right now, before I get through speaking, God will lay a figure on your heart. 
If you're talking about increasing, ask God if He's satisfied with what you are given or if He wants you to increase. Folks at Fairview, just ask the Lord. Just pray and ask God, what do you want me to give? And God will put a figure on your mind. He knows that figure and He will meet that need. Now this morning, I want to challenge this. Do something for Jesus. You say, what can I do for Jesus? I like parking cars. I think it's a great deal. I love singing in the choir. I think it's wonderful. But Jesus never mentioned either of those two. So you start giving to Faith Promise Missions. You ask God to take the list or however you all find out who's sick. You go visit one of them. Maybe there's somebody in prison or in jail. You go by and visit them. As a preacher, as a pastor, I couldn't tell you the literally hundreds of times I've been to jail and visited with somebody. It's a real encouragement to them. Maybe there's somebody that's hungry and you need to feed them. Maybe they're a stranger to you, but you just ask them home for lunch. Thanksgiving Day, years ago, I go to the store for my wife on Thanksgiving morning. Get some ice or mayonnaise or something. Fellas riding down the road on a bicycle. I pull in in front of him. He stops. I stop. We start talking. I find out his name is Billy Morris. Billy is on a bicycle. I said, uh, where are you going to eat lunch today? Just looking for something to eat. I said, why don't you come go home with me? Put his bicycle in the back of the truck. Took him home for Thanksgiving Day. Ten years later, he was still serving at Camp Tracy Children's Home. Had accepted Christ as his Savior. Got born again. Kind of like your story. Got born again. And God just picked him up out of a sad situation. Maybe you need to take somebody home. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful with that kind of deal. Now, then it was not that big of a deal. But maybe there's somebody you know that just needs you to invite them to come eat with you. And you feed them and take care of them. 